Blog Talk Radio. Coming to you since 1997 on KKUP Radio with over 250 guests and still going strong in their 12th year of weekly broadcasting, the International Taz and Paula Show brings to you expansive, engaging, and groundbreaking intensity on radio and now on the Internet airwaves today. Listen live every Thursday or visit Embracing Mother Earth's archives, exclusive articles, Ask questions and receive actual answers from guests anytime at TazAndPaulaShow.com. Taz and Paula's special guests are experts coming from all walks of life, energizing our lives with a passion that inspires and teaches us with each of their compelling personal life journeys, with roots from ancient wisdom and bridging it with modern science. We hope today's show touches the wisdom of your heart. And now... Kaz and Paula. Coming to you since 1997 on KKUP Radio with over 250 guests and still going strong in their 12th year of weekly broadcasting, the International Taz and Paula Show brings to you expansive, engaging, and groundbreaking intensity on radio and now on the Internet airwaves today. Listen live every Thursday or visit Embracing Mother Earth's archives, exclusive articles, Ask questions and receive actual answers from guests anytime at TazAndPaulaShow.com. Taz and Paula's special guests are experts coming from all walks of life, energizing our lives with a passion that inspires and teaches us with each of their compelling personal life journeys, with roots from ancient wisdom and bridging it with modern science. We hope today's show touches the wisdom of your heart. And now... Kaz and Paula. Well, good morning. Hello. Hello. Oh, okay. We're going to play a a pre-taped show. And it looks like things are working. (laughs) Hold on. Our guest today, Jean Slater, author of Hiring the Heavens. Her book, Hiring the Heavens, introduced an employment metaphor that brings the concept of connecting with spirit firmly down to earth with fun, familiar imagery and an easy hiring process. It teaches you how to recruit the resources of the heavens and mobilize a talented and willing celestial staff. You are now listening to the International Taz and Paula Show, and I'm Paula. And I'm Taz. Now, Jean says... This works regardless of whether you believe in God or not, a higher power, your higher self, Buddha, infinite intelligence, or any other divine power. And the use of hiring the heavens concept is not dependent on your religious or non-religious beliefs. This is a universal practice that anyone can use in touch with their divine right to manifest. So whether your task is large or small, whether you want to manifest your dreams, find a soulmate, improve your finances, or simply get through your days without stress and worry, the heavens are ready to help. With with their assistance, you become co-creator, co-director of your life, experiencing more joy and more 
serendipity every day. Gene Slater, we are certainly ready for your joyful co-director way of experiencing life. It's exciting to have you with us. And I love the word serendipity. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. Now, now you're a natural path. Uh, life, life coach. coach. <laughs> You're a life coach. Help me yeah, coaching. <laughs> but which came first? <laughs> Hiring the heavens came first. Absolutely. I couldn't be doing all of this if it weren't for this help that I'm getting uh, from an unseen dimension. I'm telling you. <laughs> uh, not only that, I'm a, a wife and mother of four kids, and, and I've been able to do all of this because I get a lot of help. And and my wow, talk we, is about how everyone can tap into this fantastic resource pool that's available to them. Well, I did that you? once in my I did that once in my life, <laughs> and I was amazed. <laughs> I need to do it more. <laughs> I know we forget, don't we? <laughs> no, you're just doing it in a different way now, Paula. <laughs> no, I, actually, I, actually know, I I took an art class, and I'm like the least artistic person in the world. So I asked the the uh, heavens above to give me a good artist and then I did this beautiful painting and the uh the person that was teaching me said, Oh, how long have you been painting for? <laughs> and I laughed at myself. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that was fun to experience. So is that how you work it? Well, I'll tell you, I tap into the power of the heavens for just about everything that I do in my work. Actually, I did start out as a naturopath, and and at the time, we're going to go back here 20 years ago, um, I was not a religious person, not a spiritual person. In fact, I actually wanted nothing to do with it because I had come out of a very – uh, mind control type of religion that I was raised in, and um, I <laughs> here it was several years later, and I was still recovering from that. So I didn't I didn't want anything to do with the the word God, angels. Oh, forget that. And uh, um, but then I had one of those extraordinary moments, one of those pivotal moments that changes everything. <laughs> and I'm sure many of the listeners have had an experience like that where where in, in a flash, everything about your life changes. And what happened to me was um, an extraordinary experience as I was working with one of my clients in my business. And uh, do I? can I go ahead and tell it now? Yes, yeah. please. Okay. So I... Uh, had a way of working with the clients to find out what their body wanted. And I use a pendulum, and I know we're, we're going to talk about dowsing a little bit later, and dowsing is just fantastic. And uh, through my pendulum, my client's body said that it needed to clear five neurotransmitters. And it was a type of technique that I used in my business, and and um, the body kept saying, I have to name all five. I could only come up with four. So I said to my client, you know what, we're going to have to reschedule. I can only think of four neurotransmitters. Your body says I have to name the fifth one, but I can't think of what it could be, so let's reschedule so I have time to research this. And then my client, who was a layperson, said to me, well, is histamine a neurotransmitter? 
<laughs> I said, yeah, you know, in my mind I'm thinking, what an odd thing to say. I said, no, 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 histamine's not a neurotransmitter. Histamine's that stuff your sinuses produce when you have an allergic reaction. You know that's why you take antihistamines. And so in the very next second, for whatever reason, I turn around and I pull a book off my shelf that I had purchased one year prior and had never looked at. Well, the book falls open to a page where the word histamine is in the title. <laughs> I thought, oh, that's funny. Wow. I looked at my client and I said, look at this, it's talking about histamine. And then in the very next nanosecond, it's as if my eyes were just taken and directed to a line buried in a paragraph, and here's what the line said. It said, histamine is also thought to be a neurotransmitter. Oh, whoa. Whoa, yeah, you got it. <laughs> now that that's the moment when the hair was you know, raised on the back of my neck and on my arms, and I thought, what just happened? Oh, my gosh. I, I, frankly, I could not wait to get this client out of my door because I was so shook up. You cannot explain that with coincidence. So I knew something extraordinary had just happened. And as I sat there, I was trying in my mind to figure out what could what could possibly have occurred here. When I couldn't think of it, my client says it. When I denied it, something makes me turn around, pull a book off the shelf, open to the page, take my eyes right to the line. How, what What is going on? And the only thing I could think of was that maybe, just maybe, because I was doing a good thing, helping clients in my business, just maybe I was getting help from an unseen dimension. I thought to myself, what if I had a spiritual physician working with me? <laughs> How cool would that be? So every day when I would go to work, I would call upon this spiritual physician and I would tell them about the clients that we had coming in that day, uh, so-and-so is coming, they have issues with this and that, and then we've got and Fred, and he's got issues with this and that. And I started to receive information that was beyond my technical training and information about their lives that I couldn't possibly know. So I truly knew that I was getting help from this spiritual physician. So then I thought to myself, well, if I'm getting help with all this technical advice, perhaps they can help me with other aspects of my business. Like I need a spiritual time manager, and I need a spiritual secretary, and a spiritual receptionist, and a spiritual marketer. Could I possibly get help on all those dimensions? So I decided to hire from the heavens those particular talents and abilities and as I did that, I would have a staff meeting every day. <laughs> I'd go to work in my car usually and talk to my staff and tell them what it was that I needed, and amazing things would happen. I, 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 I do a lot of things, plus a mom, four kids. I do it all, and I've never had to hire anybody on the physical level on in my office because it's all been taken care of for me <laughs> from this from this power source here. And so that's the basic premise of hiring the heavens. Now I I, ha I have a question. Um, so if you hire a secretary, let's say, do you actually do it all? I mean, is is this comes like really 
easily when you hire a secretary? Well, what happens is that, uh, for an example, uh, back when I decided to hire my spiritual receptionist and secretary, one of the things that was going on is that um, I would have way too many phone calls to return. Here I've got four little kids, and I've got two hours on the phone after my workday is done. So I thought to myself, we've got to do something about this. So I asked my spiritual receptionist and secretary, I said, would you keep my calls down to no more than a half an hour a day? And here's what I want. I want to eliminate the calls that come in that say, what is it that you do? Because those are the longest ones. Say, here you are, you're having to explain what it is that you do. So I asked, I said, have each of my clients explain this to potential clients for me so that I don't have to do it and that the only thing that happens is that someone calls me up to make an appointment. (laughs) Can you do that? And from that day forth, I have never had more than a half an hour of phone calls to return. Just like that. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Well, you have to be careful on how you ask. <laughs> do you have to be careful how you ask? Absolutely not. No. no? Okay. Please explain to me what do you mean by that. Well, you were pretty explicit. So um, if you ask a secretary, secretary and receptionist just to, to help, that's kind of general, so you mm. need to be more specific. Well, um, there. see, here's the thing. Uh, I tell people to talk to their heavenly hires just as if they were sitting down next to them and, and like they were actually being hired, okay? So if you hire a someone on the physical plane to be your secretary, you wouldn't just put them in your office and say, okay, help me out. And they're like, well, what is it that you want me to do? So just talk to them like you would as if they were a real person in front of you. And um, and it doesn't matter that you um, have you don't have to have it all worked out in your head ahead of time. These are really really easy going energies here. So if you say to them one day, okay, what I want is this, and then the next day you say, wait wait wait, cancel that, <laughs> cancel that. I've changed my mind. Let's do something else. They're totally okay with that. <laughs> this is something that. Um, is easy to do, requires absolutely no skill, requires absolutely nothing on your part as far as you don't have to do a certain amount of time in prayer or meditation or get in a quiet space. You can do this on the fly as you're driving down the road in the in the car, higher away from the spiritual temp agency, or you can do it in the bathtub when you're thinking about how you want to put together an entire team, a committee for your for your joy, for your for your life purpose, your career, whatever it is you want. Anytime, any place, you can call upon this unbelievably powerful force just with your next thought. And there's no right way to do it, and you can't get it wrong. You know what? It's amazing, Jean. I never realized um, in 1995 this kind of thing started happening to me, and I didn't realize. I, I just... Um, what happened was is I was reading some things in a book, and I said to myself, I said, you know what, I'm a skeptic. You, 
you know what, you've, and I don't understand this, I need some help further. And a voice came to me that I was to get up and go to my library. They, they told me what book, what paragraph, and what side of the book to look at. And, and it was my answer. I was blown away, I don't know, three or four times that way, and I never carried forth. And I'm listening to you. I'm getting more excited, <laughs> realizing that I had something very similar going on, and I never even realized what was taking place. And I'm so glad that you told that story because that's what happens for people is that something miraculous will happen. Something just, I mean, I would say your story is miraculous. It's clearly beyond just this physical dimension and what we see with our eyes. There, there is clearly something else going on. So we've all had those types of experiences, and we're amazed by them. And at first we tell all of our friends and families, wasn't that amazing? And we're all excited about it. But then what happens a year from now or two years? And we can hardly even remember what that incident was. But what Hiring the Heavens does is encourage people to tap into that resource and make it part of their everyday lives because, believe me, it is available to each and every person out there, and a life of synchronicity can be theirs, theirs to be had just for the asking. Now, what I didn't think about is you said a committee. You can ask a whole committee to come in and help you. That's even yeah. <laughs> let me tell you let me tell you one of the funniest stories. This came from a lady who is clairvoyant. She called me up and said that she had been working with the angels since she was a little girl and and has always seen them, but had never thought about hiring the heavens to the depth that I talk about because I encourage people to bring the power of the heavens into every aspect of their lives, you know, um, not just waiting for a time of crisis and not waiting till somebody needs healing or, or there's a big ticket item like, like world peace or something like that. But I'm talking about bringing the power of the heavens in just to find the perfect hair color. <laughs> I mean, we all need help. We all need help. So, so I encourage people to hire a way for the perfect hairdresser and, and get the perfect um, spiritual wardrobe consultant and get the perfect spiritual interior decorator to bring that energy in and that the power, the, the talent, the skills, and the abilities. Well, after this gal read my book, she decided, decided to hire a committee for every different category of her life. So that night, with pen and paper, she wrote out committees for her her life's joy, for her career, for her family relationship, for her um, for her children, for her life's purpose. You you name it. She left no stone unturned. So exhausted, she fell asleep. The next morning, when she woke up. <laughs> She's clairvoyant. When she opened her eyes, she said, Jean, I could not believe what I was seeing. There was so much commotion going on. They were milling about everywhere. There was hardly an inch of space anywhere. And there was even some coming up to me saying, we heard you were hiring. <laughs> there was some that she had not hired, but they wanted a job, and they were showing her their type, their resume, and what they were good at. So I tell people, never, ever fear that you are bothering 
the angels, you're not bothering them. They're giving them a job, and they love, love, love to be included in your life, and they never wanted to be separate in the first place. Well, Taz, you and I will have to hire a radio talk show host. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. You know, but it's really pretty exciting when you think what is available to us, and you've done such a tremendous job to bring this out. I I have a question. If If you wanted to meet your soulmate, who would you hire? I uh, how about a spiritual soulmate finder? <laughs> okay. <laughs> or soulmate connector. It doesn't matter. You can come up with fun, cutesy names for the, the title of this expert that you're bringing in. It doesn't really matter what title. What only thing that matters is that you go into your imagination and you call in that power, that force. And and then three amazing things can happen. One, you can be inspired with the information yourself. Like uh, that happened for me when my computer just froze up and I didn't know what to do and I'm just frustrated and I want to keep trying everything, Control-Alt-Delete and Escape, and nothing was working. So I hired a spiritual a spiritual computer specialist and I said, okay, show me what you which key to push, and I close my eyes, put my index finger up in the air, and then down on the keyboard, and that was it. <laughs> it freed up. Now, I have a suspicion that it didn't matter what key I pushed. I think my, my computer specialist just freed it up for me. But So that's one of the things that can happen. Another thing that can happen is that the heavens will bring to your doorstep you know, literally just write to you the exact person you need here on the physical plane to fulfill what it is that you need. And that happened to me when it came, when I got the message to write the book, Hiring the Heavens. I, I was a first-time author, and I thought to myself, oh, I don't even know what to do here. How do I even begin? So... I put together a whole book writing committee, and I said, you know, you're going to have to bring to me somebody that will help me develop these ideas and show me how I can take such a simple idea that literally takes only about 10 minutes to explain and turn that into a book. Show me how I'm going to do that. And then the very next day on my message machine is a message from a perfect stranger who said, Hi, my name is so and so and I was and I'm a developmental editor and I was just wondering if you had any book projects that you're working on. Whoa. <laughs> That's when you know they're heaven sent. Oh my gosh. So of course I hired her. She was fantastic and so she helped me develop the book to the point where it was almost finished. And then I said to my book writing committee, I said, Okay, we need somebody to go through this now with a fine tooth comb. We gotta make sure that all the I's are dotted and all the T's are crossed. Bring me somebody that can do that. Well, that day I had a brand new client in my office who had very tiny handwriting, which usually means they're very detail oriented. So I asked her, I said, Well, what is it that you do? And she says, I'm a copy editor. And I says, well, what's a copy editor? And she said, well, we make sure that all the I's are dotted and all the T's are crossed. (laughs) So I knew she was heaven sent to me. And, of course, I hired her. 
So that's what can happen when you, that's the next thing that can happen is the heavens will bring right to your doorstep the person that you need here on this physical plane. And really, they'll be the best in the universe. And then, and then the third thing that can happen is that you can sit back and watch a flat out miracle occur. And I, when I'm saying the word miracle, I'm not speaking that lightly. I mean it. A flat-out, jaw-dropping, oh, my gosh, there's just no other way to explain this. And I have heard story after story. I have experienced it myself. Uh, It it just, um, these miracle stories, probably my favorite, one of my favorites is I wrote about in my book, and it came from my girlfriend who um, this is what happened for her. She was out in her yard pruning, and she has a, quite an expansive yard. And uh, um, her, when she came in, she was taking a drink of water, and her daughter noticed that this irregular-shaped pearl in a ring that her husband had given her many, many years ago was missing. So her heart sank. She knew there was no way she could find a tiny little pearl out in a huge yard. So <laughs> she got very, very sad for a moment and then remembered about hiring the heavens. So she hired a spiritual jewelry sleuth. She said, find my pearl and bring it to me. An hour later, she's sitting on the bed talking with her kids, and the dog jumps up on the bed. Her son says, Mom, Callie's playing with something in her mouth. And she said, drop it, Callie. And the dog dropped the pearl right in front of her hand. Wow. <laughs> well, you, you, you've got me convinced. I'll be hiring the heavens from now, from here on now. <laughs> you know, Jean, I have to tell you, I've heard about your book for the last three or four months from three or four different people. Is that right? Uh-huh. And then... Somebody called me and said, would you like to interview Jean? I said, whoa, would I? (laughs) (laughs) That's part of my marketing team at work. Uh, That was when I negotiated with them about writing the book. I said, okay, listen, I'll write it, but you guys have to market it. I mean, I'm too busy. (laughs) Well, my marketing team has been flat-out stellar. They have had me on stage with some of the biggest names in the industry, Uh, not because I sought them out, but because they got the message in some way, just like you were saying what happened to you. In some way, they either heard it through intuitive means or someone mentioned it to them. However it happened, I ended up on stage with with Marianne Williamson and Don Miguel Ruiz, and and I just did an interview with Ian Levanzant, and you're just like, this is like, wow! It, it happens. It happens. That's my marketing team at work, and so obviously you're part of the process here. <laughs> Will you share the, the story with our listeners about the letter to Oprah? Pardon me? Will you will you share with our listeners about the letter to Oprah? Oh, the letter to Oprah. Well, that, you know, again, people just come out of the, I, 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 
this book has been translated now into Spanish and into Japanese, and the emails that I get from all different places, it's just it's amazing to me. So I got an email from someone back east that uh, said that they had worked for CNN and had been um, a uh, had written several letters to Oprah to help uh, to um, come up with ideas for guests on her show. And so she wrote to Oprah telling her about my book and the miracle story that happened for her. It's quite a wonderful story, and it's on my website. And I encourage people to go ahead and go to my website. They can get there by going to jeanslater.com. And Slater is spelled with two Ts, so it looks like flatter, but it is Slater. <laughs> and they can read that uh, letter. I t- And then the next thing I know is that I get on Yanla's uh, show, and who knows? I'm getting closer and closer to Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> well, marketing team. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> well, one of my wonderful synchronistic stories, and you know, somebody that I really would love to meet is Shirley MacLaine, because back years ago, when I wanted nothing to do with spirituality. Her book, Out on the Limb, really, really inspired me. And it was the first book that I'd ever read that that made sense to me. Have you read it? Oh, years ago. In fact, I'm looking at it right now in in my bookcase. When you said it, I thought, I should read that again. Yeah, it was groundbreaking for its time, wasn't it? Yes. And it gave us all permission to say some things that we that were blasphemy before. <laughs> but I think she got a lot of flack out of it. I mean, oh, I know she are... did. Well, she's been my hero ever since. And um, so, when I wrote "Hiring the Heavens," I had an experience where there was someone that had emailed me and ordered my book in the self-published form. And this was probably in 2004. And um, he ordered the book and loved it and emailed me back and said, this is a fabulous book. You really need to get this with a major publisher. And I wrote back to him and I said, well, as a matter of fact, it has been picked up by New World Library. They're the publishers of The Power of Now. And I said, uh, it's, it's due to come out here in the next few months and in about six months and he said fantastic that was exactly the publisher I was going to suggest you go with and as a matter of fact I only live about 10 minutes away so if you're ever in the area I would love it if you'd give me a call ahead of time I'm working on some projects I think you'd be very interested in so six months goes by just and it was just prior to my book coming out Six months went by, and I never heard from him. In fact, I'd forgotten all about it. But as <laughs> as my committees would have it, I ended up attending a class for New World Library. And I thought to myself before I went, should I give this guy a call and let him know I'm going to be in the area? And I heard back a message, no, you'll meet him when you need to. So I said, okay. So I go to this conference. Now it was packed. It was in a big hotel room, I mean, you know, a a conference center. And it was standing room only. There was, I was sitting up at the front third, and there happened to be one seat 
open next to me. And this guy was squeezing his way through the aisle and pointed at the chair, and he says, is this seat open? And I said, yes. And before he could ever sit down, he looked over and saw my name tag and said, are you? And I looked over and saw his name tag, and I said, ah! (laughs) And it was him. So I knew there was a big reason why Spirit had brought us together. And on the second day, I found out what it was. He told me, he says, when your books come back from the publisher, he said, I would love it if you gave me a couple extra because I have two very good friends to give them to, Shirley MacLaine and Kevin Ryerson. So my books were hand-delivered to Shirley MacLaine and Kevin Ryerson, and it's just like that just tickles me pink. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, your your angels are working over time, let me tell you. Now, since you've been working with them, because uh, um, you just said, uh, you just heard, oh, you're going to meet him at the right time, is your um, psychic ability coming forefront? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, because <laughs> it started with that experience I had with the spiritual physician, which kind of that pivotal moment, which changed everything. It started with that, and the more that I just began to open up to that idea and began to listen, it's almost as if there's a thought between my thoughts, and that's the one I need to listen to. <laughs> and, yes, it has made a huge, huge shift in my my ability, my psychic ability and um, intuition. And now I cannot imagine working without my team, my entire celestial team with me. Um, They're part of actually my every waking moment. In the past 15 years, there is not a day that goes by without me connecting in and talking with my heavenly hires. It has just become a part of my life, and I'm not kidding when I say I don't uh, just leave it to my work. I bring them in for everything that I'm doing whether it's just to help me with my kids or help me pick out the perfect meal or the perfect gift or or get the perfect hair color or whatever it is, I know I've got help. And that's that's the fun thing. It's just watching the little arrangements and orchestration of of events and circumstances so that things that whatever it is you need, it it's there for you. You're going to be speaking at the Dowsing Convention in Santa Cruz coming up uh, July the July 6th? Yeah, the it's the 6th through the 10th. 6th through the 10th. And that's at the University of Santa Cruz. Yes, and I'm going to be speaking three times, uh, twice during the conference. I'll be giving a talk on hiring the heavens, and the second talk will be on break free of the law of attraction. And then uh, then I'm doing a half-day workshop on the 10th called Wantology, and that's all about understanding this want energy, the desire energy, and how it works in us. Well, that's... That's going to be great. I mean, the um, talking about the breaking the law of attraction. Everybody thinks the law of attraction is the way to go, right? And uh, so, what is your thoughts on that? 
Well, um, I believe that the universe is far more complex than what can be summed up in one law. And I believe that, as a matter of fact, there's probably, you know, hundreds of laws going on, but there are never any less than three primary laws. And the first primary law would be the law of consequence. The law of consequence is is very, mm, you know, there's lots of evidence that the law of opposites <laughs> is in a full effect here, you know. For every action, there is a equal and opposite reaction. Try to put the same end of two magnets together. You can't do it. You have to put opposite ends. It takes a male and female uh, uh, connection to light a light bulb, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's all about opposites. It's all about opposites attract. <laughs> and then you have the law of attraction, which is about like attracts like. So the energy that you put out, you get back. And we know enough about that. But the thing that um, I have realized since I've written Hiring the Heavens, Hiring the Heavens operates on a completely different premise. It operates on the law of grace. And here's the primary difference. With the law of attraction, you have to you have to do it right. You have to do it right. And we've got volume after volume of books now all explaining to us how to do the law of attraction right. You've got to have state your request in the present tense. You've got to have enough emotional connection to it. You have to clear out your subconscious beliefs. You have to clear your karma. You have to, you know, um, be, be positive. You know, the, visualize, and the list goes on and on. And when things aren't happening the way that you intend, it always comes back to you, doesn't it? It's your fault. You've got to figure it out. You've got to figure out what you're doing wrong. And if you can just figure that out, then you can do it right and finally start attracting to you what it is that, you, that you're asking for. Well, that's that's one law that's in effect, but there's a much more powerful law happening, and this is the law of grace. And in the law of grace, there's nothing you can do to earn this. It's never, ever, ever about doing it right. It's not about that. You can't earn this, and there's nothing you can do to have it taken away from you. This is a birthright because of who you are. You are made of God energy, and as such... You are a creator, and all of the heavens is there to assist you in your creation. And it's not about you saying it just the right way, being in an attitude of gratitude, saying your please and thank you and, and, and having lots of emotion. It's not about any of that. There's nothing you can do. You can't pray enough. You can't meditate enough. You can't have the right attitude enough. It's not, it is never about that. It's yours because it's a divine birthright. It's just like the air you breathe. You don't have to try to earn and, and be worthy of that next breath of air, do you? It's yours because you exist. And this power is yours because you exist. And you are a creator. You were born to be a creator. And this is yours. And so that is the thing that I talk about in Break Free of the Law of Attraction. Yes, the Law of Attraction exists, but there's more. There's more. If we stop there, then we end up in this place of being hyper vigilant, of constantly trying to figure out what are, what's wrong with me. 
Is it you try too hard? <laughs> and try too hard. And we need to move. It's time. It's time in our consciousness to move into that creatorship. That that role that is our birthright, and to really tap into that, and you hear the, these words amongst a lot of New Agers about, you know, you are God, you've got that God energy. But how often do we truly tap into that? You know, when it comes time to 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 trying to create a miracle in your life, we forget all about that, and then we go right in that place of trying to work it out ourselves trying to fix ourselves so that we can finally attract to us the miracle that we seek rather than simply creating it. Well, sometimes we set ourselves up for failure. Yeah, yeah. And we do it that way. Yeah. I, I, you know, in my business as a naturopath, I hear stories that um, are so sad, stories of abuse or or loss of a child or, you know, just things that would really, really bring tears to your eyes. And then to say to this person, well, you created it all, is salt in their wound. And for some people, it's a bitter pill that at that moment, that message is even more disempowering. I had a client say to me at the time, this is years ago, um, and I really hadn't figured all this out yet. And she, uh, I told her about the law of attraction, and she said to me that that was the most depressing thing that she had ever read because her life had been, I mean, she, she was abused as a child. And, and to tell her that, well, you attracted that in your life, that was one more insult to injury that she just couldn't take. Well, how does a child attract it, basically? Yeah, right. Right, right. So I I tell people that, that in every moment there are no less than three laws in effect. And so, um, you know, stuff just happens. Sometimes... Sometimes you get in a car accident, and um, the law of attraction says everything that happens in your life is attracted. I do not believe that at all. I believe that in this dimension, by sheer definition of polarity here (laughs) and duality, that at least 50% of what happens is just purely accidental, purely accidental. So sometimes you get in a car accident, and yeah, there's a message to you that, that you need to pay more attention and whatever else that, that message might be. And other times, it you just happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. The person that hit you needed something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then, um, th- so there's a law of consequence going on, there's law of attraction going on, and then... Now it's time to tap into the law of grace. And in the law of grace, it is so fun. Boy, <laughs> this is where you get into the real creative fun stuff. And, and you, you, I'll tell you what, this attitude of, a, of gratitude, that is a symptom of living in grace. You can't help but have joy when when you see all these magical things occurring, and you know you, whether it's you need a coupon <laughs> and you ask for the coupon and you look down and there it is on the floor or whatever it is, you're living in joy and the attitude of gratitude just comes as a symptom 
of living in that space. Do you teach your children this? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you what happened when my oldest son moved to New York. So he was going without knowing anyone, just packing up and seeing where he landed. And so I said, okay, here's what you want to do. You want to hire a a spiritual apartment finder. <laughs> you need to hire a spiritual job finder. You need to hire a spiritual roommate finder. You need to hire a spiritual uh, interior decorator to, to um, decorate your place, et cetera, et cetera. We thought of all the different hires. So off he went to New York. Well, on his very first night, uh, he got there very late, so he spent the first night in the hotel. The next morning, when he woke up, he went to a coffee shop with suitcase in tow, and as he's sitting there looking at apartments on his computer, he struck up a conversation with a gal, and uh, they ended up talking about, uh, you know, what he was doing, and she says to him, well, I'll tell you what. I'm moving out of my apartment, and if, you know, I don't mind. If you want to just crash on my couch, that would be fine with me. So now he's got a place to go for the second night. So he does. He crashes on her couch. The next morning, <laughs> she says to him, well, I'll tell you what. If you, I need to find a place myself. So if you find a place first, let me know, because if you don't mind, I, I need just a place to live for two months before I move out. And I've got all this furniture. You can just have it. So he wow. finds a place for exactly the amount of money that he wishes. And this is on the second day. He's got a roommate, and he's got the place furnished. And then the third day he goes out looking for a job. By the end of the third day, he had five job offers. Within five days' time from the day, well, it's only four days later, in four days he had a place to live, he had a roommate, he had, it was fully furnished, and he had a job. Now, I have a question for you. Uh, you're a life coach. Can someone hire a life coach on the other side? Of course. Of course. There any talent, skill, ability, Anything at all that you can think of, that is available for you to hire. And, and again, doesn't matter what you want to call this pers- this uh, entity, you just give it a name. <laughs> the spiritual <laughs> attitude adjuster for your kids or whatever it is. that Whatever name you want to give to this help that you hire, it, um, the, the heavens are there for you. Now, the Dowsers Convention coming up July 6th, your workshop that you spoke of, is that going to be July 10th? Yes, it is. It will be a half-hour workshop on wantology. And what exactly is wantology? Wow. (laughs) This came about as I was working with clients over the phone. I do all my life coaching over the phone. In fact, I do all my health work over the phone as well. But um, as I would be tuning into their energy, I would ask, and I, and I use my pendulum for verification of what it is that I'm hearing, but I would ask, okay, what does this person need to do here? And I'd hear this voice that came back, you know, the voice, the thought between my thoughts that says, never mind what they need, find out what they want. So then the next person I'd work with, I'd say, okay, what do they need to do here? Well, never mind what they need to do. Find out what they want. 
And about the fourth time that I'm hearing this message, I'm literally being screamed at. <laughs> it's like, forget about what they need to do. Find out what they want because in the end, they're only going to do what they want to do anyway. <laughs> so true. It's so true. So that launched me on a search about understanding the want energy. Now, that is something that cre- created a big stir in um, law of attraction. You, and I don't know if it's still this way, but it was back years ago when I was looking into it. You um, had to be careful about saying the word want. Um, is it still that way today? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they talk about that if you say the word want, then the universe just gives you back more of that wanting. Have you heard that before? Yes, or I wish, you know. Yeah, yeah, be careful with different. the word want. That You don't want to say yeah. that because the universe just gives you more back of wanting. So we were taught that if you say the word want, you go cancel, cancel, cancel. <laughs> and, then, and then you state it in the present tense. I am now experiencing right. this or that, right? So, right. So then uh, we became want-phobic. <laughs> we had to stay away from that word. Well, my guidance tells me just the opposite. My guidance tells me you have to want, you have to have desires. Without it, nothing moves. In fact, want energy, that desire energy, is the, the, it, it is the most, one of the most powerful forces in the universe. It is the impetus that and the inertia that moves forward creation. So how can you create without a want? How can you create without a desire? It's impossible. You have to have wants. You have to have desires. Go into that. Explore that. Find out what it is you want because that's where your power is. And as soon as you know what you want, then you'll know what you need to do to get it. Wants dictate needs. In fact, my guidance said there's no such thing as a need until there is a want. So I thought that was really interesting. Some people don't know what they want. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why that's why my workshop is all about how you can discover what it is that you want. Not only do they not know what they want, but even if they think they know what they want, they would be surprised to find out they are often operating on old childhood wants, you know, from back when they were a kid, or they're still trying to please their mom or their dad, or they're operating on conditioned wants from society, telling them that, oh, yes, what you really want is that big, huge 5,000-square-foot home. That's what you want. (laughs) In actuality, you don't want to clean it. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so we are operating on a lot of wants that are merely conditioned, and what wantology does is encourage you to, to take the time to to really ask yourself what it is that you want. And we use a number of different ways to get at the truth of what it is you want. And and as soon as you discover that, it's like that's when the heavens can go to work. Because if you are asking for something and wanting something that, you know, yes, I want that $5,000 or that 5,000 square foot home, but in the back of your mind you go, oh, that's going to be a bear to clean. I don't know. I don't know. What a burden that's going to be. Well, that's quite a mixed message. 
So it's hard for the universe to go to work and get that for you when you're sending out a mixed message. So uh, ontology is all about becoming clear about what it is you really want and how to tell yourself the truth. So do you know what time you're going to be uh, teaching that workshop at the conference on uh, the 10th? Let's see here. I'm going to see if I'm going to be in the afternoon. Let's see. I'm in the afternoon. It starts. Uh, it's from two to five. So, uh, for our listeners out there, if you want to know more about the Dowsers uh, Convention, you can go to dowserswestcoast.org, www.dowserswestcoast.org, and there's a phone number. We'll give it at the end of the show. It's eight three one four zero two. Eight one zero one, eight three one four zero two eight one zero one. Now you said something about dowsing. When did you get interested in dowsing? Dowsing came about twenty two years ago. Um, I was introduced actually by a chiropractor who um, told me that he could discover if I was deficient in, in any minerals or vitamins. And I, I was curious, my uh, curiosity was piqued, and I said, well, how would you do that? And he went into his closet at his office, and he pulled a wire hanger out, untwisted it, straightened it out, and began bobbing it on his hip. <laughs> and you can imagine that was really strange for me. And then, as luck would have it, I went across Right immediately after my appointment to a um, health food store and struck up a conversation with a little lady there who, unbeknownst to me, was one of the founders of the local chapter in Sacramento. And I told her the story about the strange guy next door who had this wire bobbing up and down on his hip. And she said, you know, you might be interested in dowsing. Well, I'd never even heard of the word, had no idea what it meant. But she told me about the meetings. I went for the first time, and I think it was that very year I went to my first conference in Santa Cruz, and I was hooked. I have been going to the conferences now for 22 years. Oh, my gosh. It's the only group that I've joined, and I love them because – they don't have a dogma. It's not like a lot of groups where there's a particular philosophy. It, it, it's not like that. Dowsing is so wide and varied, and they're just people getting up and talking about what works for them. And they say openly, well, douse it for yourself. See if this works for you. If it doesn't, that's fine. But if it does, I hope it helps. So I love this group because they just, uh, they're just they just all about sharing their information and their knowledge. Fabulous people. And you'll hear topics um, from everything from traditional water dowsing and dowsing for precious metals to dowsing the alien world <laughs> and everything in between, health dowsing and, and um, life purpose dowsing. You, the list goes on and on. There's just so many wonderful different subjects. Um, people, when they go, all they have to do is attend once and they will be hooked. Now, you have a DVD on dowsing, don't you? I do. I do. It's a beginner dowsing DVD that helps people to just to get, get the background of dowsing and then how to get a simple yes and a no with your pendulum. 
And I consider dowsing the, the most self-empowering tool on the planet. And truly, I think everybody should know how to douse. We all have intuition. We all do. And so for many of us, though, the thought that, wow, I, I don't know if I'm hearing my intuition. I think maybe that's just wishful thinking. I'm not really sure what I'm hearing here. Well, the wonderful thing about dowsing is that it gives you an outside meter to read and to confirm what it is that you're hearing through your intuition so that you can take out the guesswork. And if it's, I, if, I even douse for uh, fruits and vegetables, I mean, to see if a fruit is ripe or not. Absolutely. Absolutely, and it's such a valuable skill. Uh, there isn't any subject where you can't use your pendulum. It's like having a psychic on your shoulder 24-7. No matter what question you've got, you can pick up your pendulum and, and get some advice, get some answers. And I use hiring the heavens with my pendulum quite often. Like if I'm oh. having... Um, uh, if I have a question that's in a field that I know very little of, let's say I have a legal question, well, I'll hire a spiritual lawyer to answer through me and move my pendulum when I ask the questions. And you can do that if hire your spiritual mechanic or hire, you know, whatever specialist you need, hire first to answer through you and receive the answers in your pendulum. That's a great idea. It sounds like you're going to be in Santa Cruz the whole weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really, you know, I just got back from the Vermont Dowsing Conference. Um, they just keep getting better and better every year. So I really hope people uh, uh, take advantage of the fact that this conference is going, that that it's, it's there and available for them. And there's just nothing like being there in the presence of all these dowsers, and they show you how you can pick up a pendulum or use Y rods or L rods or bobbers and all those different tools and instruments for just about every issue and question that you could possibly have. And everybody is so open and giving. Um, you won't feel like you're a fish out of water at all. They're even going to have classes for children or and teenagers to teach yeah. them how to douse. So that's going to be great. Have you ever taught uh, children as like classes or workshops for children on uh, hiring the heavens? I haven't. I haven't. That would be fun. <laughs> But you know what? Uh, it's fun because children are so connected already. You know, I I, I remember one of my um, clients. We were watching a, a ba basketball game, and her son, who was in grade school at the time, I think he's in seventh grade, and he was on the on the team, and he was making all of his shots. And uh, she turned to me and she says, Jean, I hired a spiritual basketball coach to work with him and help him to make all his shots. Do you think that's cheating? <laughs> oh, that's that's wonderful. <laughs> was he was he aware of it? Oh, well, he must have been because he had the game of his life. I'm telling you. <laughs> you have mom there to help <laughs> to ask. <laughs> Uh, I, I hear that the angels are like jump up and down when we ask because they're just sitting there waiting for us to ask, and they can't help unless we do. Yes, and that's the thing is um, they never wanted to be separate from your life. You know, we always feel like we have to do it all ourselves. 
So we're just kind of marooned here, and we have to work our way through it and sludge through it all. But listen, they are so willing to help, and they are absolutely delighted when you invite them into your life. I mean, I talk to them like they're my best friends, and sometimes I even sing to them. (laughs) Just make it fun. Make them part of your life. You'll know that you are never, ever alone. That's the really cool part. You're never alone, and you've always got assistance. You've always got help, and you can call upon them in the immediate moment. They are never further away than your split-second thought. Well, do you want to give out your... Yeah, I was going to say the website is jeanslater.org or .com? .com. .com. Okay, so jeanslater.com. And her book is Hiring the Heavens. Wow. Talk about um, a final detail here. Give your body and mind and spirit a jump start. (laughs) (laughs) This is incredible. Grab your angels and say, okay, I'm ready for you. Almost like you're cheating. (laughs) (laughs) You're not. You're not. And they are so happy. You're giving them so much joy when you bring them into your everyday life. Don't wait for a time of crisis. Put them to work immediately. Everybody that's listening, put them to work immediately. And this requires absolutely no skill. All you have to do is ask. And if you want to meet Jean in person, she's going to be at the Dowser's West Coast Convention in Santa Cruz. So thank you so much for being with us, Jean. We enjoyed the full hour. It was wonderful. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Yes. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hi. Paula. Hi. Yes, I'm let here. Let me just let people know you're listening to 91.5 FM, KKUP Cupertino. Embracing Mother Earth is the name of our program. And I'm here with Paula. And don't forget the, the opinions of the guests do not necessarily represent those of uh, KKUP, uh, the staff, or management. And um, we have another show for you this next hour. Um, are we just about ready, Paula? Yes, I am. I can put it on right now. Okay. Our guest today, everyone out there, bridges spirit to matter. Judith Diana Winston is a visionary artist and writer. She has worked in the field of photography for over 20 years. She attended the Detroit Institute of Art and the Cranbrook Academy, Bloomfield Hills, Michigan. She has a bachelor's of arts degree in communication from the University of Miami and has studied photography at the San Francisco Academy of Art College and the San Francisco Art Institute. She has worked in the movie industry and as a fashion photographer for such clients as Victoria's Secret and Macy's. You are now listening to the International Taz and Paula Show, and I'm Paula. And I'm Taz. Wow, what a creative journey Judith Diana has brought to life for herself She actually says, as she reflects on her work at this point, going all the way back to the late 70s, she she sees it all as basically spiritual or shamanic in nature, and that her purpose has always been to change and elevate consciousness and to work toward healing. It has just become more obvious in her current choice of subject matter. 
In the 1980s, Judith Diana moved from San Francisco to Los Angeles, thinking to expand her career as a fashion photographer. However, life seemed to have other plans for her. Through a series of unexpected events, she soon found herself in Egypt studying with a well-known author, teacher, and trans medium. A year and a half later, she returned to Egypt as his staff photographer. And following this fateful second journey, a story began tugging at her sleeve, and she ended up writing this book that we'll be talking about today, The Keeper of the Diary. It's so exciting to have you back. And a little birdie told me that you like to be called Diana. Is this true? That's true. I do. Yes. Okay, Diana. I can't help but um, question that, that um, part of you is actually the character in this book because she's a photographer also, the main character. And did you write this book from your own experiences? Well, a lot of it was from my own experiences, um, sort of the, we could say, the general scope of the book. And what wasn't actually based on my experience sort of came to me naturally as a part of those experiences if that makes sense. Um, so, yes, the main character in many ways is based on me and in a few ways is more than me. So when you came back from... Go ahead. No, no go ahead. I'm here. Uh, I'm having a little trouble hearing... Uh, is that Taz? Yes. Yeah, I'm ha- having a little trouble hearing her. Okay, can you hear me better? Oh, yes. Not really, but I'll listen harder. Oh. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm sorry. Uh, okay. What's the name of your book? It's called The Keeper of the Diary. The Keeper. And, and do you um, want to give us a little bit of a synopsis of the book so that the listeners out there kind of know what it's all about without giving uh, away the whole story? Okay, <laughs> okay. So it's about a woman photographer who, under some duress in her life, accepts an assignment uh, in Egypt to be a photographer for a group of people who are traveling, a group, a spiritual group that's traveling through the Middle East and Egypt, Jordan, Israel, and Greece. And at the time, she is somebody who is not on a spiritual path at all and really only takes the job, the assignment, because she needs the money. Um, And when she's there, the second day of the trip, this diary mysteriously turns up in her camera case, which sort of throws her off. And she doesn't really know what to do with it, but she's curious, so she starts to read it. And as she reads it, it's very sort of shocking to her way of thinking about things and a big challenge, but it's so fascinating that she can't put it down. Um, and she ends up, sort of long story short, the diary refers, it, the diary, the content of the diary actually goes all the way back to the time of Atlantis and even further. And she gets pulled into the story as she's traveling with this group through the Middle East And by the time she finishes the book and comes back to the U.S., she's a changed person, both by the trip itself and by the contents of the diary. But she can't help but wonder, because some of the things in the diary seem so extremely far-fetched to her, could this actually be true? 
and this begins to haunt her. And when she had been in Egypt, she had tried to give the diary back to the person she thought might have put it in her camera case, but it becomes impossible due to the scheduling of the group she's traveling with. So once she's back in the U.S., she decides to, but she feels compelled to hunt down the person who actually was the writer of the diary, um, who is a young man named David. We don't, we know some things about him. I'm not going to talk a lot about that. But he's been found in the in the, um, the Egyptian desert, suffering from amnesia, and he keeps a diary to remember who he is. And then, of course, it goes back to a past lifetime in Atlantis. So here she is back in the U.S., and she decides, because of some of the things in the in the diary, that the the owner must need it. She feels very concerned that uh, he not he doesn't have it. So she embarks on this journey, going to some of the places, which are many of the Earth's most ancient and sacred sites. She goes to try and see if she can find him, or at least find out if the diary is true. And in the process, she becomes even more of a changed person. She learns some things about herself that she never knew and discovers that she herself has a mission in this life. And I think that's all I want to tell. She meets a lot of interesting characters along the way that are pretty organic and give her, it's like a giant puzzle trying to figure out if the diary's true, why did the diary come to her, who is this person who wrote it, and 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 why does she feel a sort of a familiarity with him? And so different people kind of show up on her journey through England, Scotland, uh, she goes all the way to Easter Island and Peru and Bolivia, and they kind of give her pieces of this puzzle, which all draw us to a very uh, kind of exciting climax, which I don't want to talk about because <laughs> I don't want to give that away. So, okay, I don't know if this did she end up finding out that she had a past life with him or past lives with him? Well, I don't think I want to go into that cuz that's okay. those kinds of questions really become a part of what she's exactly. unraveling whether she is or he isn't or, you know, and grappling with those things. How was this book um how was it stimulated for you to to actually write it, and was there any particular aspect in, in your life that that opened the doors to write this one? Well, there there were a few, and one was the person that I call David in the book, the keeper of the diary. Um, I actually found out some things about a certain this a young man, a young Israeli man that had this particular destiny, and had a very interesting past, and I. Never met him, but I heard stories about him through the teacher that I was traveling with. And I became kind of fascinated in his story. And I I did do some research to find out there's a certain part of it. Again, I I like to be careful because there's so much. The story, when, when someone reads it, it's such an unraveling. It's like they're going on the same journey that the main character, the photographer, Cassie, is going on. So I don't want to give too much away, but it was his story combined with just my my experiences in Egypt, which were really profound and changed my life, that I think was exactly why this little tug was going on with me when I came back. It's like somehow I had to create this into a story, and I wasn't really sure how I was going to do it. How did it change your life? 
Well, I came back and and uh, before I left, I you know was still trying to reestablish myself in the Los Angeles area as a fashion photographer, and was having some problems with that. I found that when I came back, it just didn't interest me anymore. I was much more interested in. Well, I became very fascinated by these ancient sacred sites around the planet, you know, that have the stone sites. So I had experienced the pyramids, and I I wanted to experience some of these other places, and I felt that they. I became fascinated, like with the history of the human race, like those big questions: Why are we here? Where did we come from? Uh, you know, what's what's the real history? And I began to read a lot of what I call rogue archaeological texts. In other words, the things that were very different from the standard story of how old is Egypt and how old is the pyramids and things like that. So I became fascinated by that and and fascinated like these places were spiritual. So what did that mean? What were they used for? What made them spiritual? What People talk about the energy of these places. I wanted to experience that. So my life really became about my spiritual quest. And it still is, <laughs> all these many years later. So in retrospect, did you find your mission in life, or are you still finding it? Well, I say, I'd say I found it, and it's still being revealed. Writing this book was definitely my mission in life. <laughs> it turns out to be almost a 500-page book. And um, I, I started it literally 25 years ago. It was put down, picked up, different things happened. It almost got published a few times. but And there were many times I really put it on the shelf and thought, okay, this isn't happening, you know, I'm crazy to to be sticking with this. But something would always make me, I, I felt like I I had made a promise. And that promise had to do with finishing this book and getting it out into the world. And I find that it's very interesting that it would come out at this period of time when we're going through this major shift in consciousness because this book really speaks to that. And I think that's been a big part of my mission with creating the book with the with the the materials that are in it and the driving the driving what would I say um not the ideas so it's an exciting adventure story on a number of levels, but it's very idea-driven. And one of the biggest ideas, or one of the biggest things that it goes into is our ability as humans, our biggest ability of everything we have is our ability to choose. And somebody once said, what good is choice if we don't know we have it? So it became really important for me to punch that up in the book, to realize it in my own life, and have that be a part of what I take out into the world as I begin to talk about the book and about my experiences. So I would say I'm on my mission. I mean, I did a part of my mission, but I'm still on it. Uh, it's interesting that uh, the uh, guest that we had on just before you is a part of the film Choice Point, and that's exactly oh. where you're at in your life. 
So it's yeah, I think it's that we had. That's we had great. The two of you. I love that. <laughs> that's great. Well, I think so, it's so important, you know, because so much goes on, and we can get so overwhelmed and feel like we have no power. And we may not have power about the things that are going on around us in order to, you know, immediately change that, but we do have a choice in how we respond. And for me, that's really important. When you put your book up on the shelf and then you brought it back down again um, and probably reread it, did it feel as though somebody else wrote it? That's a good question. Um, parts of it for sure because I would put it up on the shelf in a certain level of frustration it wasn't being accepted it wasn't going out into the world it wasn't really that I was having trouble writing it uh, although it did change over the years and I'm I'm actually very grateful I had those years for it to go through the evolution that it did but I think what was most amazing to me is when I would I would put it away and kind of you know, all this frustration. And then when I would take it down again, I would read it and go, wow, <laughs> I have to go back and, and, and finish this. This is such an amazing story. So there was that aspect of feeling like I, I didn't write it because after a period of time it all felt fresh and new. You have I, traveled so much. You have you have traveled really um, journeys and for talk that you have pulled up a lot of them were um a lot of the the monuments were from Peru, Bolivia, Egypt, um uh Easter Island in Chile and England, Stonehenge. How is there any way to compare any of these monuments in your mind? To those that you that we're talking about today in in Egypt, um, I'm not sure when you mean that we're talking about today in Egypt. What not well, the, what you, the correlation the correlation of all of the monuments that you took. Um, is there any correlation in your mind between these, um, as far as who put them together, maybe, or and or how in vibration how they they varied, or or any kind of comparisons. Okay, I get where you're going. Um, yeah, for sure. First thing I would say is that I believe that all of them, you know, served a purpose. You, you, I think you read in my little bio something about bridging heaven to earth. And really, on a certain level, that's what all of these were about. They were located at very strategic points around the planet, where on the planet, the planet has this, like, crystalline energy grid. And certain things happen at different points on the grid. There are places where lines will intersect or cross each other, and when that happens, those are usually very potent places on the Earth. And one of the purposes of these these monuments, these these stone sites, was to mark out in stone and and the stones that were used in in Egypt or in in Peru, especially Peru and Bolivia, 
which is all mountains, they were brought from very far away. And we'll, that's a whole other conversation about how they got there. But certain types of stone were used because they had the capacity to hold energy. And they had the capacity, we could call it, to take in in different um, astronomical events like full moons or you know different things that were different alignments in the heavens they could take that energy and literally pull it in and and put it into the planetary grid so they were actually bridging the energies of of the the heavens the skies the the stars the you know all the activity up there and bringing those frequencies and grounding them into the earth into you know because of course our planet is connected to everything that's up there and we're all interconnected and then it would take that energy and at different seasons at different times it would flow along the planetary grid and was a way of keeping the planet healthy uh, and alive just like the acupuncture meridians on our own bodies when we get an acupuncture session and needles are put in that takes and grounds energy and opens up the doorways for that energy to move correctly. And I would say that the different sites, so that's how they're the same, is that their purpose, their major purpose, and the fact that they, places that they're located was picked very, very carefully, I believe. There's no, wasn't just, let's just put up a stone site here because it's a nice place. It was like a knowledge about our planet and about energy and about the heavens and astronomy and astrology and bringing all of that together in placing these and then i different then we go to the next level which is i believe that different of the sites had different purposes and of course the most profound in many ways um is the pyramids at giza uh, because they're built according to sacred geometry the way that they're angled. There's so much going on there. They were, you know, I believe, very much able to hold energy and were originally used, at least the Great Pyramid and the sarcophagus, as a as an initiation chamber for a whole line, a whole level of priests that probably predates everything we know about Egypt and is more related to Atlantis. I know that's a long answer, but did I answer your question? Yes, uh, you did really well. I, I'm thinking, what about the stones? Did you see any comparison in the stones or, or you know, the, the rocks that were used uh, from place to place that you visited? Well, a lot of them seem to have a high level of, of uh, silica, which means quartz crystal. And we know everything that we know or you know about crystals and and their ability, again, to be impregnated with energy. So I would say there was some similarity with that. And one of the most interesting, to me, even more interesting than, because I'm not a geologist and I don't really know that much about all the different types of stone that were used at different places, but I know that they were chosen very, very carefully. But what was interesting to me in places like in Peru or in the Great Pyramid uh, or other places in Egypt where blocks of stone were used. These stones, they're huge, many megatons. 
they're cut so precisely, like in Egypt and in the places I saw in Peru and Bolivia, these stones, there's no mortar holding them together. They were cut so perfectly that they fit together like the pieces of a jigsaw puzzle, which goes back to this idea of, you know, perhaps Atlantis being a pre-culture that influenced all of these cultures and is related to how these stone sites were created. Did you feel more at home in Egypt? I mean, did you feel like you'd been there before more than any of the other ancient places? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah, it, Egypt, like it. it really resonated it, for me. It sounded to me like, after you, especially after your second journey there, that it really opened you up so that you were able to write this this book. It did. It took me. I, I never had planned to be a writer. Um, I had been told in various kinds of readings, oh, you'll be a writer, but I thought, I guess I could, but I don't really have anything to write about. But, of course, when I came back from that second trip to Egypt, I definitely had something to write about. You also have a book out called um, Palladium Glyphs, the right. meditation. Where did that come yeah. from? Um well, <laughs> Pleiadians, I'm, I'm assuming. Um, yeah, yeah it's, oh, so it's, it's interesting. Go ahead. It just flowed into you, like as though you were receiving information from them? Yes, and actually that book came through, I mean really came through. Um, the Keeper of the Diary, under a different name, had been started actually in the late 80s, and... Um, the glyph book, as I call it, Meditative Magic, the Pleiadian Glyph, I call it the glyph book. Um, those symbols and their meanings and how to use them actually sort of filtered down through me in about a two-and-a-half-year period. They are part of the story uh, of the Keeper of the Diary, um, but really it was a separate event because at that point the Keeper of the Diary was on the shelf. But they they just kind of, um, yeah, at first I wasn't really sure even what they were. I thought they were, since I'm an artist, that they were meant to be art pieces. They're oh. line drawings, they're geometric line drawings, and um, and they hold energy, they hold frequency, as, as geometry can do. Well, it's when I was uh, looking into your website and um, researching a little bit for this interview is when I came across that, and it just fascinates me. I'm going to have to order it because it's just oh, fascinating. Yes, it is it's fascinating. Geomet- is it sacred geometry? Yes. Yes, it is. Um, but it was, um, you know, a- a- it, it, they just started to happen. And, and in the book it kind of explains a lot of the process. It's a short book and it has these removable cards um, that have the glyph, the image on the front there, like eight by eight and a half inches or something. It's a it's unusual book, the whole design of it. And then on the back, it tells, and this was completely channeled. On the back, it kind of tells exactly like the meaning of the glyph and what it does for the user. And now that's something that when I look back at that. I really didn't write it. <laughs> I mean, I'd love to say I did, 
but I really didn't. <laughs> and I find it very, very profound. It's interesting you would bring it up because I, you know, I haven't actively been doing anything on with that book. It, I mean, it's available uh, on the website um, and through Amazon, I think. Although there's been, I need to talk to them over there. Been some problems. But I just got an email. Yet the book was translated into German, and I just yesterday got an email from somebody in Austria whose wife had somehow just found the book and was writing me with a couple of questions. And it just so warmed my heart that you can create something because that was '95 that came out. You know, it's still in print, but it was a long time ago. That that can be finding new people after all these years who get all excited about it and actively are using it and having questions about it, that was just was thrilling to me. I, I think maybe they chose you because you are an artist. And they chose me because they knew I would do it. <laughs> <laughs> I have this funny habit of saying yes, and then I go, oh, no, what did I get myself into? Do you think they have anything to do with crop circles? Well, I've thought about that because the book itself is like almost like an art piece. I did, I was, I was guided to actually. It's on this really beautiful paper, and I was guided to, to scan, have some some images, scan behind the text, you know, softly behind the text, that actually hold frequency and energy, it, that was tied into this particular series of glyphs. These these uh, uh, 16 glyphs, and there were there were some of them were crop circles. So you know, crop circles we could talk about for a long time, <laughs> but I, yeah, I, I believe they're they're both about grounding frequency, ground, grounding energy, grounding patterns of energy that hold frequency or information that we need, like food, we need it. At this time, you know, we, we have we have a, a journey ahead of us. Um, it's a really important time in our history as humans, and we have some good choices to make. And I think each and every one of us is being called upon to kind of, you know, stand tall. And these glyphs in that book and the crop circles, all of this is about the energy, the frequency that we need to help us stand tall and make really good decisions with our life because, you know, the planet is being held in the balance. So do you believe believe that Palladians uh, created the crop circles? Oh, I can't go that far. I I couldn't say. Um, But I do obviously believe they're of an extraterrestrial origin, but I I can't really comment on that. I know that they were the ones that, that um, or a group of them, where the, that the images for, for you know, my particular set of glyphs, because they made that very apparent. I'm actually looking. I'm in my office right now, and I have large on the wall framed this one called Yitar, which is uh, Intention, the Cosmic Fire. And it's all these glyphs, what they do is they're geometric line drawings, I thought at the time, being an artist, that I was supposed to fill in with color. But as I started to do that, I realized they were losing their power because what they do as you look at them, meditate with them in an open, closed-eye meditation, is that the 
the lines move and shift and kind of go in and out. It's very mesmerizing, and it's the way they're actually speaking to us. So it's interesting you're asking because I'm looking. I have that one on my wall, uh, you know, larger because it inspires me. Well, it looks like it also brings balance to the body. It does. It yeah. brings balance to the body, and it's it um, brings a kind of freshness to the mind or to your outlook. Just kind of, I find myself sitting here, and as I'm just quietly looking at it while we're talking, uh, there's this, it's like a breath of fresh air. Something feels, I just feel more open. Things look brighter as I look around the room after looking up the glyph for a little while. So it does do this, have this opening effect, man balancing for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's time for them to um, come out again. I mean, to be... I, I just have a feeling well, that they're really going to become popular right now. You that you know, it just they just might because and they're a part of the story of the keeper of the diary. So, you know, if somebody doesn't know about the glyphs or doesn't, you know, hasn't heard about them or found them in some other way, they'll sort of come across that in the story because they play a part as I began to realize. They can, they play a part in the story, so that will be a way that people will uh, come to them, you know, sort of from a different angle. And they're around. I, I don't know whether we'll do another printing. It was a very expensive book to create. I don't know whether it will go. At, I don't know how many how many we have left. You know, a few hundred. Um, I don't know if we will end up going to to a uh, an ebook with it. You know, just going digital. We haven't really discussed that in depth. But I think you're right. I think it's a, it is. It was almost a sign to me yesterday when I heard from this couple in Austria. It so warmed my heart, and I thought, "Wow, way over there in Austria, with something I haven't even been focusing on because I've been so focused on you know the keeper that that new people were waking up to it. That did seem like an omen to me. So I think you were on to something. Yeah, I, th- I, I think. You're on to something. We were just talking about synchronicities before you came on, and I think this is an, a prime example. You'll probably I think get, so, too. You'll probably get a third person. Yeah, when you'll I went to your website yesterday, that was definitely a post that I popped into that area. That and then your other book, Dolphins I Have Known series, Oh, yeah, that's not a book. That's an art show. I mean, it's an art uh, series. So I did start a book about my dolphin experiences, but there's not a, a book isn't available. It's just the uh, art pieces. But the art pieces so you, are incredible. Yeah. Thank you. you. Yes, I spent time swimming with wild dolphins. Oh, and it's all connected because so the dolphins are all about energy. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I get excited. You do photography and you paint on top of the photography? Is this how they are created? Uh, some of them, yes. I do black and white photographs, and then I I paint either with um, glazes of oil in a gel medium and I sometimes use mica and metallic powders, and others are done with these uh, photo dyes. 
and then I'm able, some of them are large, some of them are smaller, I'm able to have, I have a gentleman here in Santa Monica who is able to take in and make, um, you know, fine art prints from them because some of the pictures can be very involved in time and it was kind of sad to me to think I would paint one piece and then that was it. Nobody else could have one. So I'm able to do series of them, which is great. So you're talking about, you looked at the earlier site, the med- the uh, meditative magic site, if you were looking at dolphins. Mm-hmm. Oh, good for you. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you have, you have yeah. a couple of websites out there. I do. I actually have like three websites. One for my, because I also do uh, what I call, it, it's life coaching but taken to another level. So I call it life mentoring, uh, sacred journey life mentoring. So there's a sacred life mentoring, uh, you know, WWF site that talks about the work, the individual work I do with people and bring all of these things into play and it's based on the idea that life is a sacred journey. And if we approach our day-to-day with that in mind, everything changes. Everything, the things that look like problems turn out to be, you know, as you would say, kind of synchronicities or um, opportunities. I like that word, opportunities. I'm big on that one. Um it takes on a whole different thing instead of being like, oh, my gosh, I did something wrong and now bad things are, are going to come about. Rather, it's like, wow, what does this actually mean? I did this or I thought this or had this encounter. Let's look at how that is propelling my life forward in a positive way. So well, all these like, things are t- tied in. Sorry, go ahead. It's like when you went to Los Angeles. You had something in mind. Yes quite differently than what happened after you got there. So this is, it was a life changing for you. So everyone can experience this to some degree. Well, yeah, it's it's reframing, you know, Um, because for sure when I moved to Los Angeles, heart set on, you know, expanding my career as a fashion photographer, and it just wasn't happening. I was pounding the pavements and, it just wasn't happening. The little jobs that I was getting either paid nothing, and they weren't really what I wanted to be doing. But if, and this is all, you know, sort of a part of the story of the keeper of the diary, because Cassie goes through those things, the main character. And but if I hadn't moved here, and things hadn't been going quote unquote wrong with my career, I would have never gone to Egypt. And if I hadn't gone to Egypt, all the things that I'm doing now, all the things, ways in which my life opened to new possibilities, wouldn't have happened. So it was like by this thing happening that I thought was a mistake and even was upset with myself, like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have moved, how stupid my career was working well. Once I allowed sort of life just, like Cassie in the book, because I gave her my story, um, she gets propelled on to a whole different life journey and finding out her purpose in life because she made what she might have thought was her smaller part of her mind because she made a, quote, mistake. So 
I don't think there are any mistakes, you know? I think the, I think the word allow is very important here instead of pushing, because sometimes we push towards something that we're not even supposed to be going towards. Well, we push for it because we have this fixed idea in our mind, and I think that's part of the biggest problems that we give ourselves because some you know well intentioned as we are sometimes these ideas that we have with our mind these these things about the way life is supposed to be it's it's really not <laughs> it's really not so if we just as you said you know allow ourselves to kind of be in the moment and see what's showing up we might be very pleasantly surprised. Because Kathy yeah, spends the first part, part of the book resisting everything that's going on. Fortunately, <laughs> life just keeps at her, and she finally begins to surrender and see what, what, what the new thing that's happening is. Now, how did you meet the teacher that you eventually went to Egypt to, to be with? Oh, the first version, one of the first versions of the book had this story in it. I'll try and make it as brief as I can. Um, gosh, okay. So life was not working for me. It uh, wasn't working out the way I wanted it to. Um, I have part of, part of my family, my, part of my mother's family is in South America. And there was a wedding coming up in Cartagena, Colombia, that my parents asked if I would like to go with them because they knew I was kind of depressed and, you know, life wasn't working, et cetera, et cetera. And I said yes, just because there was nothing really going on. And to make a long story short, they didn't end up going on the trip. A a model that I had worked with had just come back from Machu Picchu. I had this idea that, that I would go on the trip anyway be our family representative, and then go to Machu Picchu by myself. So I went to a travel agency to get some information on Machu Picchu, and um, I was sort of floored because my my wanting information on Peru ended up having her give me information on Egypt, which I wasn't looking for, and I was kind of surprised, like, you know, a travel agent isn't supposed to change your plans. And then a couple of synchronicities happened, and I met this. I got onto. I hadn't even met him beforehand. I got onto this trip with this teacher, and by quote unquote accident, it would be too long to tell you the story. And of course, he, the person that he was, and he was an amazing storyteller. He was. We would go to these places in Egypt, and we had our our tour guide there, you know, an Egyptian, uh, like, archaeological student from the university at Cairo. And we would go to the sites and we would look at things and he would tell us the history and all this information. And Paul, who was the teacher, would sort of be standing over to the side and when when our guide was finished, he would say, okay, now if you want to know the real story. And he would tell us these stories that would predate all the things that our student had just told us, and he would go into this depth, but as a storyteller. Um, some people are just really good storytellers, and they can give you information in a story that, in a way that intrigues you. So 
let's just say it was a great synchronicity that I met Paul and that he had a very powerful effect on my life. <laughs> I don't want so to take you were, more time with it. No, no, go you ahead. were supposed to go to Machu Picchu, but ended up in Egypt. That's quite a story. Yeah, well, I was supposed to go to Cartagena, Colombia, to to my relative's wedding, and then I ended up in Egypt. <laughs> and what did your parents think about that? Um, well, they were surprised, but then when I told them we were going to Egypt, uh, you know, and um, Israel, uh, my parents, you know, I was brought up Jewish, so they got more excited about it because they thought it would be a very good idea for me to go to Israel, which wasn't even really the focus of the trip. And by the way, my main character, Cassie, in the book, is um, she's half Jewish and half Arab, and I did that for some very significant reasons. Well, I, I don't know what what it is, but I just got a chill. Uh, oh, good. Good. <laughs> we know how important those are. So does uh, your uh, teacher mentor that you went to Egypt with, uh, has, he read, has he read the book? He's not on the planet anymore. Oh. He was passed. He, was and he read a very rudimentary version and um, initially this book was going to be dedicated to him because of his strong, you know, his memory, because of his strong influence on me. But I started working with an, it's a long story again, about how she came into my life, an editor who became such an important piece of how some things in this book went that I decided to dedicate the book to her. Again, going with the flow. Yes, yes, yes. But did he have any, I mean, when he just read maybe the outline or the sketch of it, did he have any comments to you about it? He loved it. He was just very excited that I was doing it. He said, see, I told you you were meant to be a writer. (laughs) So he was pleased. (laughs) Oh, great. (laughs) So your life has been full of synchronicities, and you've gone with the flow, so... I mean, everyone that reads your books, I'm going to put it plural, um, have get, has been given a gift from you that you listened and you allowed. Yeah, and you know, I know that because from my own experience, I know it's not always easy and it seems like, well, you know, I didn't plan on, I planned on things going this way and I, I it gets very confusing. It's did for me, and I'm sure it does for everybody, when we're supposed to persevere and when we're not. And it's a a very tricky little thing, and I think the only way you really know is by being as present as possible and, and, and at least being open to notice what's showing up in your life. Because, you know, we grow up with certain ideas or family ideas about who we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to get there. And I think it's a real challenge of growth to and Cassie goes through this in the book. I mean, she's she's very much in resistance to even being in Egypt. She has a whole different plan for her life. She's a fashion photographer. She didn't want to be there. And yeah, that is the gift for or one of the gifts from that book and what I 
been learning. Because, you know, those of us who are on this path and are learning things, it's all about sharing what we've learned, you know, because there's always somebody else who needs that little piece of information or encouragement. So, yes, I'd be very delighted <laughs> if I can pass that piece along. So no, in your, it's definitely a sacred journey. <laughs> what's that? But, you know, what? it's definitely a sacred journey. And it's you definitely know, a sacred that, journey. But yeah. Are, are you um, still mentoring people? Yes, I am. And I have a site. It's, it's called um, sacredlifementoring.com. So that t- will tell people more information and give them a way to get a hold of me. Or they can just drop me an email at Judith Diana Winston at Gmail. So you and uh, you do have a phone number. Do you want to give it out? I do three one zero six two one seven three six six. Okay, great. Do you have another book on the uh, horizon? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> right now, I think it's going to be about me being out there to talk about this book. And there's been some movie interest, which I oh. would love to see this book be, because it is, it is such a movie. That's so what I, I thought I think right at least, away. Did you? Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know, it's people have thought that. Go ahead. It's an adventure that really gives, some insights. So, I mean, people could watch it and be involved and still learn something from it. So it would be a wonderful movie. Yeah, yeah. uh, Somebody wrote a, um, you know, a thing on Amazon, a review on Amazon. I don't remember exactly what it said, but it said the book was a cross between J.K. Rowling's, but for an adult, um, you know, the Harry Potter authoress, and Dan Millman who, you know, wrote all of his um, Peaceful Warrior, you know, that whole series, that it was sort of a combination between that kind of energy of of magic and excitement with sort of profound meaning to be gleaned underneath the adventure. Have you heard of Gate Communities? I have. Oh, I have. You should you should take your book there. Because they're interested in that's, things like this. That's actually a good idea. Yes, I uh, I know who John is. We've spoken on the phone, but it was a, quite a while ago. Uh, not sure what they're up to right now, but I know what their intention is. So we're very aligned on that for sure. Well, they're going to have an event in February, so uh, I would say get in touch again and send your book over there. Oh, that's a good idea. I'll look them out, check them out on the internet. Thank you. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> another thing I like that because we interviewed John last week, so it's another thing. Oh, you did? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, he uh, definitely, you know, has a vision, and um, I would love to be a part of it for sure. So I will oh. be in touch. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> yes. So I'm. Do you have a message for our listeners out there? As a mentor, if you could say something to all of them to like shift their path or make it faster, what would you tell them? 
Well, I think it would be, well, of course it's about choice, you know, and really being being present so that you can even see there's a choice. And then going with the choice that sort of has the highest good for all, whatever that means, as the particular situations come up, you know, because sometimes we can get very bogged down. And with this idea that the choices we make, literally, as single individual human beings, is what is going to change the collective on the planet. Um, I believe that really strongly. And that seeing that each one of us, you know, because we get bogged down in our our personal lives, our family issues, career issues, whatever it is, um, and we think that it's just about us. And really, if you hold this image of this higher collective that each one of us is a part of, that means that every single choice that we make has the possibility of moving the collective forward. So I would say go for the highest choice. Go for the choice. Go for the evolutionary choice. Go for the choice that will help you evolve as an individual because that's what's going to move the collective forward, and we so need it right now. And I'm sure that there's going to be a major shift 1221 when all these great souls get together and um, do whatever they're going to do on 1221. It's good. I, yes. I really believe it's going to create a big shift. I believe it will too, you know, because it's all about consciousness. That's 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 what we're on the brink of is a consciousness shift and that's what we that's what we need to move forward. We can't, you know, they say you can't address the problems from the level at which they were created. So we need to up-level the conversation. And I think, are you talking about specifically the folks who have at the shift movement and what they've been doing? Well, thinking about that? The shift movement is one, you know, segment. There's people from all over the world doing something very similar. Right. So it's groups like the shift and the shift movement Mm -hmm. who's done such a beautiful outreach to bring so many people with all their free, you know, lectures and things. So, yeah, I think, you know, it's when enough hearts and minds are focused on the right place. But I also want to emphasize not to get so stuck on a date. We are in the shift very powerfully right now. So don't wait to to create something happening in consciousness until the 21st because we're we're already in that shift and everything we do on a daily basis is a part of it right now. And it's a very powerful time right now. I mean, it feels as though whatever we do as an individual is is more important now than ever. Of course, we could have said that a year ago, but I mean, to me, it, we all need to be on the same ship. But yeah, as and, individuals, and, and, and we, we get on that ship by making the choice to be on that ship. You know, so be, by yeah. by deciding to be part of the change, a part of a part of the shift. That's a, just a personal decision. Well, we want to thank you for being with us today. Let's give out your websites. <laughs> you have okay. Several. The, so, the, the, web, 
the website, website the Keeper of the Diary? Go ahead. It's the Keeper of the Diary book, since we're in imagining a movie. The Keeper of the Diary book dot com. Then there's Meditative Magic dot com and uh sacred life mentoring dot com and artwork can be seen you know I could give you another but I'm not going to it'll take you into the back door of the meditative magic site where there's some of the dolphin work and sacred site work and then the sacred site work is also on the uh the keeper of the diary book dot com. So I'll just say those mm-hmm. once more since it's a lot of websites. It's the keeper of the diary book dot com with the W's, of course, meditativemagic.com, and sacredlifementoring.com. And there's also... It's been really fun to be with... Yeah, go ahead. JudithDianaWinston.com. Well, yeah, that's that's kind of the back door into the Glyph site. Yeah, I do have a lot of websites. (laughs) Well, we want everyone to know out there that we've been talking to... Judith Diana Winston today. So we thank you for being with us. Thank you, guys, you gals, so much. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for... I think you're doing a great thing here. Sorry? Thank you for all the awesome and outstanding work you've put forth on on everything. Um, It's just beautiful. People really need to go to your websites and check them out. And um, thank you... It's been a real pleasure interviewing with you today. Thank you so much. Pleasure is mine. Good luck on your movie. (laughs) Thank you. Hold the light on that one. Yes. Please. Have a great day. Great. Thank you. You too. Uh Bye-bye. Bye-bye.